Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. So we're going to be focused on Luke chapter 14, 1 through 4. Luke chapter 14, 1 through 4. Here we go. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man, and I'm sure you all know this condition, uh, before him who had dropsy. Anybody ever go to the doctor, come back with a little case of dropsy? No, this is, I just Googled that because I had no idea what that was. Uh, dropsy apparently is a condition that makes you really swell up and it dif- disfigures you. But the reason that this is such a big deal is because they would have made that person unceremonially clean. Like this is a, it's not like leprosy, as contagious as that, but it's still a condition that you don't want to hang out with somebody with dropsy. So, and the interesting thing is they sat Jesus right next to the man with dropsy, but that's, we'll get into that. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy and Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees. And he asked this question. He said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you, great question coming up here, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day would not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. Remember, a parable is just this simple story, but it's got a way deeper meaning to it. A spiritual meaning. Jesus told a lot of parables. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will, begin with, uh, you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you, will be placed, uh, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." Verse 12, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you will be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And that is the word of the Lord. Every time I hear these verses I think about Thanksgiving dinner when I was a kid. And, you know, they got the big table out there that all the adults sit at. And what do you sit at when you're a kid? The card table or the kitchen? The, the rickety old card table with the beat-up chair. And you think to yourself, one day, I am going to make it to that adult table. And it is going to be glorious because the food and the gravy is, un- is stupendous. 
And then, but if you're like seven years old and you try to not sit at the card table and you try to take your seat at the main table, what happens? Why are you uh, not at the card table, kid? Beat it. That wasn't in my sermon today, but it made me think of that. Uh, All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are brand new to Holy Cross, welcome. Uh, And uh, welcome to everybody. But uh, we have done something over the last couple of years to kind of get more participation from people. Um, and, And we start off with a question. We start off with a question. So you can text your answers to this magical number. 407-842-8884, Pastor Matt over there in the blue corner will be answering and responding to your text. If you're joining us online on YouTube or on Facebook, you can put your uh, responses there as well. Here's my first question, and listen, I don't want you to get in trouble with the law, but here's the first question. Have you ever been in a place, a seat, or a location that you knew you shouldn't be in? Have you ever been in a place, a location, or an area that you knew you shouldn't probably be in, but you went in anyway? Like, for instance, when Pastor Matt rented an RV and went to Area 51, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Here is uh, my story with that. And the question again, have you ever been in a place, have you ever gone to a place where, or a location or a seat, something like that, where you knew you shouldn't go? A few years ago, I, um, I love... I like the Orlando Magic. They've been tough recently, but I'm a big fan of the Orlando Magic. And so uh, my wife, when uh, Orlando was playing Los Angeles in the finals a few years ago, my wife uh, went and got me for uh, Christmas, an early Christmas present. She got me a ticket to the NBA finals. It was so unexpected, and it was so cool. Uh, and so I went when the Lakers beat Orlando, and Kobe, like, holds the trophy up. And I thought, man, this is a bummer. But anyway, uh, the, the point of the story was the ticket that she got me was not cheap, and it was in the very top row. Like, I was up there with the, you know, the, the, the birds flying in the rafters. When I, when I looked down at the court, it looked like ants running around, like, I didn't realize how high up that actually was. And so, being me, I thought to myself, I can improve my position here. I I can do this. And so I look down, and I see a seat at midcourt in the lower level that is not being used. And that's got to be like a $1,200, $1,300 seat, as opposed to my $99 seat in the rafters. So I watch that seat probably more than I watch the game. And I'm looking down, and I see it still open. After halftime, I make my move. I go down. There's a nice guard down there. I'm creating some rapport with her. And she finally looks at me, and she goes, are you going to grab that seat or what? I said, yes, I am. And I sit down in the most glorious seats, watching the NBA Finals, thinking life is pretty good until... This rude gentleman that actually owned the seat showed up, and he said, I think you're in my seat, and now I've got a choice to make. I look at my ticket, and I'm like, wow, really? Uh, Knowing darn well that that's not my seat. And he goes, no, you're right there. You're way up there. Okay, you don't have to rub it in. Okay. And I knew that wasn't my position. I knew that wasn't my seat, but for the 
about four minutes, I had a glorious time. Pastor Matt, has anybody been in a place or a location or a seat where they shouldn't have been? Yeah, lots of people apparently have been places they shouldn't be. Popular one is exactly what you said, moving up. Uh, during a sporting event or, or a concert or something like that. We, had, we have a dueling Mets and Yankees fans. Uh, okay. one, both of them did the same thing. Uh, yeah. They snuck right behind the dugout oh, and wow. sat there until wow. an usher finally came and yeah. told them to move. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we have uh, one person, I, I don't know, like he said there was a, he had a hangout spot when they were in high school. That's all they said. They so had I a don't, spot? yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, we won't delve into that any further. And then, yeah, um, uh, someone snuck into a concert using their older brother's ID. Uh, and then um, this person said, I once entered the bedroom while my wife was taking a nap. So a place they <laughs> should not be. Oh, yeah, that can be dangerous. That can be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, you know, at the end of this, we didn't really need to have a sermon this morning. I could have just read that uh, parable from Jesus and just said amen and moved on. Uh, but what would be the takeaway from those verses? Uh, what would be the takeaway from the verses today? Would it be uh, about showing kindness and mercy to the sick? I mean, that's good advice, right? Would the takeaway, like, like Jesus did with the man with dropsy, right? Like he showed compassion on the sick. Would that be the takeaway? Uh, it could be. What would be the takeaway? Is, it, is the takeaway today about if you're going to have a wedding, how to be a proper party planner? No, that is not the takeaway. Uh, what's the takeaway? If you're attending a college football party next Saturday, you shouldn't run into the house and grab the most comfortable chair because that's for the person of honor. No, I, that's probably not the takeaway either. That's not to say that we shouldn't have compassion on the poor and the crippled and the blind. But maybe the moral of the story is that if you're proud, if you're a proud person, maybe sooner or later you will be humbled. But that if you're truly a humble person, sooner or later you might be exalted. Let me explain. The fact that we aren't really sure what we should take away from these verses that were just read it's kind of telling in the sense that we might have skipped over a really key detail. Let me explain this key detail. That this illustration of the wedding feast was a parable. That means an earthly story with a much deeper meaning. It tells us that so many times when we read Scripture, we read Scripture through the lens of the law. Let me explain. We read Scripture through the lens of the law. So we read Scripture, and we want to be told as human beings, what do I have to do? Because I will make it right. And so we read, and we've got, I've got a good friend, and he's got checklists. He's got checklists that he does. He wakes up in the morning. He boys, It's Pastor John. You remember Pastor John. That guy had checklist after checklist. He had checklists to make sure his checklist got done. And I would make fun of him. I'm like, John, how many checklists do you have? We, but as human beings, a lot of times, we want to have a checklist. We want to be told what we have to do to make it right. Okay, we're having a relationship issue. Do this, 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 and this, and it'll be fine. Um, we want to be made right with God. Do this, 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 and this, and it'll be fine. But that's the problem. So many times we read Scripture and we just want to be told what to do. But in all sincerity, we need to read Scripture through 
the, the, the lenses of the gospel. As opposed to saying, what do I need to do? We need to read scripture through the lens of the gospel that says, this is what God has done for me. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need to read scripture through the lens of the gospel. What has Jesus done to me, for me? So, um, let me ask another question. I'm going to knock out this second question real quick. Um, when you were growing up, what was a place that you absolutely loved to go? Maybe your family took you someplace, and you think about it now, and it's just like, oh, wow. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Maybe it's, it's a restaurant or Maybe it's just, but you think about it now, and you just have, like, a warm feeling in your heart. Like, ah, that was the good old days. So I grew up in a really small town, a thousand people, and the only thing in my small town was four bars and a grocery store that closed at noon. Uh, And so there wasn't a lot of excitement for a young guy in my hometown. But every once in a while, the family would say, let's go to the big city of Des Moines, the capital. And I knew what that meant. It meant if I find a buddy to go with me to Des Moines, we're going to go to the, uh, the, the Valley West Mall, and we're going to have a blast. So I would always invite my best friend, and we would go to the mall, and I, I, I would go to two locations in that big mall. We'd hit the toy store first, and then we would go to the arcade. And we'd go to the arcade with our $5, like we were millionaires. And we would play this game, and I remember it, because it was the first time I'm thinking, this is the first time that backwards is forwards and forwards is backwards. And it, it, the game was called Zaxxon. I don't know if you remember that. Zaxxon. It was the spaceship game. Thank you. It was one person. Uh, it was a spaceship game, and you were in the spaceship, and you flew through this weird space castle. But I wrecked, like, right away, because when I pushed down, it went up. And when I pushed up, the ship went down. And it took me about $3 to figure that out. But not the point. Not the point. The point is, afterwards, we went to this glorious location every time. I don't know if you've heard of it. It might be too fancy for some of you. It had a drive-through. And if you were lucky, you could get extra crispies. I don't know if you know what that is, but at Long John Silver's, you would get the three-piece fish, the two-piece chicken, and if you're nice, they'll give you extra crispies. And I thought that was golden. And now I drive by a Long John Silver's, and I'm kind of grossed out. But anyway... <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor Matt. All right, we got a lot of responses, actually. Uh, so um, let's see. So uh, one person said Tennessee. Uh, another person said the grocery store with their mom. So maybe because they got a treat or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, bribing happens. Uh, we had a lot of people say the beach. So obviously some, uh, some Floridians around. One person said Jersey Shore. Uh, so yeah, um, the circus, uh, my grandfather's hunting cabin, you want to talk restaurants, uh, this person said sweet tomatoes. Have you ever been to a sweet tomatoes? Yeah, it's $15 yeah. for a salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a small pizzeria near our house. That was always really fun to go to, um, discovery zone. Um, let's see. Um, oh, Sam's club for all the sample foods that you get there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one too. Good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kyle said college football games with my dad from when uh, I was, uh, that's awesome. you know, yeah. When I was younger. Nice. So, uh, 
The parable that's told in the context of this dinner party, remember the dinner party's being held by Pharisees, uh, and it's on the Sabbath day. And, and that would be a regular occurrence. Remember, in the Sabbath, like, you're not supposed to do any work, right? But you can go to a Pharisee's house for dinner. I don't know who prepared the meal, but that's not the point. We see a great reversal starting to play, take place. That's the theme of this sermon. A great reversal is starting to take place. The Pharisees decided to try to humiliate Jesus. They tried to humiliate Jesus. They said, let's invite that Jesus guy. Oh, yeah? Well, where are we going to seat him? Let's put him by the dude with the dropsy. And so, you know, the, the head of the table's up here, and then the, the order and uh, importance is going from here. And then down here at the card table is the guy with the disease in Jesus. And so he's got uh, Jesus is there, and he realizes what's going on. He can see what the Pharisees are doing. He's being sit next to somebody who's ceremonially unclean. But this is where the great reversal starts to take place. He uses his position of humility. He uses his lowly position of humility to heal this poor man. So instead of sitting there at the worst chair in the table saying, man, son of God's really getting uh, kind of beat up today next to the guy with dropsy. No, he uses that position of humility to heal this poor man. And something which those in the seat of honor, they see what happens, and the people in the honored seats, they're shocked at what is happening. Jesus notices the tendency of the guests when they come in. He sees that when the Pharisees and the lawyers come in, they keep fighting and positioning for seats of honor. And that probably wouldn't have surprised him because back uh, in Luke 4, 18, 9 through 14, he talks about his blunt assessment that the Pharisees love their place of honor at banquets. And then he talks about how the Pharisees are a proud, self-exalting um, bunch. Now, there's nothing eternally important about where you sit at a dinner table or dinner party or in church, but how you behave, how you rank yourself often exposes the hidden thoughts of your heart. It's a sign of how you rank yourself in God's eyes as well. And that's what Jesus is truly driving at in this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may be invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat, and then you will be humiliated. Think about it. Last time, you've been to a wedding, right? Uh, but it's not the wedding of your best friend or anything like that. Let's just be honest. You go to a wedding that maybe you were on tier four of the invite, and they were wondering, should we invite Kyle? I don't know. Uh, I mean, sometimes it gets a little crazy. Okay, we can invite Kyle because Amber's awesome. Um, and so then Kyle shows up at the wedding. He doesn't really realize that he's on tier four. And he walks in. There's a great, there's a great ceremony. It's fantastic. And then Kyle walks into the reception. And what's that thing called at the reception? The bridal table or what, what is it? The head table, right? Who sits at the head table? 
bride and groom and the, the bride and the groom and the wedding party, right? So Kyle on tier four, barely making the cut, walks into the reception and here's the bridal table and Kyle decides that he's going to go sit in the groom's seat. And then what happens, what happens at a reception? Everybody does the grand entrance, right? I would love to see the bride's reaction to Kyle sitting in the groom's seat. She'd be like, you're tier four, buddy. You barely made it. Get out of his seat. That's what we're talking about in, in, in this. Like Jesus is seeing people that is like tier four people jostling to be tier one people. And he's thinking, oh, my gosh, these Pharisees. Oh, boy. But Jesus is actually teaching about something far more important than etiquette. Jesus is actually teaching us about the kingdom of God in this parable. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a wedding feast. To a wedding feast. Why? Why would Jesus compare the kingdom of God to a wedding feast? Three reasons, ladies and gentlemen. Three reasons. First, a wedding is usually one of the biggest celebrations that you can possibly go to. I used to film and video weddings, and one time we did a wedding at Disney where it was $500,000, and they opened up rides, and it was insane. Everybody got their own little snow globe, and it wasn't little, and I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much money being wasted. Besides that, most of the time, a wedding is one of the biggest celebrations that we can possibly attend. Remember, I'm saying, why is... Um, why does Jesus compare the kingdom of God to a wedding feast? Number two, you got to be invited, you, unless you crash it. But you got to be invited to a wedding, or you're not going to fit in. you got to be invited. So number one, the biggest celebration in almost any culture. Number two, you've got to be invited. And third, and best of all, is you get to eat and drink, and somebody else picks up the tab. Oh, that's glorious. So think of why is the kingdom of God like a wedding? Biggest celebration you'll go to, have to be invited to go. Somebody else picks up the tab. You don't have to, well, I mean, you got to buy a gift. Well, you can get a coffee pot or something like that. But the point is, attendance is a privilege, not a right. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like an incredible celebration where attendance is a privilege. And the best part is that it's completely free. Completely free. So how do you approach it? How do you approach it when it comes to the kingdom of God? How do you approach it? What attitude do you walk into the party with? Will you barge in like a Pharisee, acting like you're doing the host a favor by your mere presence being there? Acting like you own the place? Act like you deserve to be there? And don't make the mistake that I'm just talking about, like the pearly gates and the afterlife. No, the kingdom of God is right here. Jesus is going to return, but the kingdom of God is here. He is present in the element. His Holy Spirit is present. The kingdom of God is here. It's not a future reality. God is reigning right here among us right now. This has everything to do with how we approach the foretaste of heaven right now. 
What's the attitude you approach God's house with now? Is it a task that you have to mark off before you go to first watch? Or is it one of those things where you realize, oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of God. My football coach, who was 350 pounds and would get on me because I didn't have the right conditioning, um, would say to me, Chris, he sounded like Dusty Rose, the wrestler. Chris, you got, I'm not going to do the imitation, but Chris, you practice like you play. You practice like you play. If you practice like a chump, you will be a chump in the game. If you practice like a champ, you will be a champ. And I always liked that, and it always stuck with me, because it's not really about where you sit at the table. It's about what's in your heart. What's in your heart as you enter this place? Do you drive by all the people who are walking their dogs and prepping their boats, who are getting ready to go to the beach, and think to yourself, huh, thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like these people. I go to church. Do you take time before worship to, to kind of say, Lord, um, I know I had a lot of things. We got in a fight with the kids on the way to the, the church, and, and we almost didn't come. We almost just streamed it. Lord, allow me to be in your presence today. Allow, allow me to just stripe away all the distractions. If we approach God's house with proud and presumptuous hearts, God will humble us. So, final point. There's a great reversal that takes place. And the great reversal is when we finally realize that God has shown us the ugly truth about ourselves in the mirror of the law. I have a good friend who's an atheist. And we used to go fishing quite a bit. And sometimes when we're not catching any fish, he would start asking me questions about God. He would ask me questions about God. And it was awesome. He would say, hey, Chris, so if you're right about this, and there is a heaven and there is a hell, I think I'll get in. I was like, okay, tell me, what do you think? And he said to me, well, I mean, honestly, I've never done anything that bad. I've never killed anybody. I said, so that's the bar we're setting at? Death? Murder? Okay. All right. And I said, listen, man, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect. We are not. And yes, you're a good person that doesn't murder but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so, think about how humble Jesus Christ was. He was the right hand. He was sitting in the presence of heaven with God. And then he comes down to earth. You want to talk about humility? And he gets spit on and beat and whipped as he's carrying his own cross to Calvary? 
And don't tell me if you had that kind of power that when you were sitting on that cross, you wouldn't be shooting fireballs out of your eyes at these people. God, the same God who can split the Red Sea as the Israelites walk apart, and he's sitting on a cross because of you and me? And he dies, and he's resurrected, and he comes back, and he appears to hundreds of people, and Thomas is like, I just got to see the hole in the hand, and Jesus is like, bam! And that truth is spread down from generation to generation to generation. And because of that, we get a seat at the adult table of heaven? Not because of any, how could any one of us be pompous after that? How can any one of us be arrogant? How can we not just say, thank you, Jesus, because I was lost and now I'm found because of you? That's my prayer. My prayer is that anybody out there who's like me that has a family member that says to you, oh, if I could just see God, then I would believe in him. Go look outside. There's proof of God everywhere. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will come along those people. And I want to do this real quick. I just want to take a moment at the end of this sermon And I want us to silently pray for our friends and family that don't know Jesus. And I want us to just silently say, Lord, let's pray right now. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we all have people in our life that don't have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we know that it says in, in Scripture that faith comes from hearing, that faith comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit, And so, Lord, we want you to hear the names that we are praying for silently right now. Maybe it's a a relative or a friend, a co-worker. We give these names to you now, Lord. Lord, we know that we can't make anybody have faith. But we know that uh, the Holy Spirit can. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time where you heard our prayers. And we thank you that you're a God of uh, uh, miracles that can bring faith to so many people. So, Lord, uh, we are just, we're going to end knowing that we are not God and you are God. And that it is humbling to know all the things that you've done for us and we love you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.